Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast with Chuck Carringer, where we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carringer. Our guest today is Dr. Jody Goins. Dr. Goins is the Executive Vice President of Lincoln Memorial University, located in Harrogate, Tennessee. Dr. Goins is a lifetime educator, serving in various leadership roles at the secondary level and now in higher education. Dr. Goins, welcome to Leadership Upside. Thank you, Dr. Carringer. It's a pleasure to be on Leadership Upside today. Uh, Looking forward to our conversation. You've served in a variety of leadership roles in education, each with significant organizational responsibilities. Start us off with just a discussion around your leadership style and your core leadership principles. Absolutely. Thank you again for uh, extending an invitation and allowing me to be a part of today's conversation on uh, Leadership Upside. Dr. Kandra, certainly I've been blessed with the opportunity to to lead within the the K-12 and higher education sectors. And, um, you know, honestly, my leadership approach is uh, built across several core principles and values um, in communicating with uh, our team here at Lincoln Memorial University on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. There are really five key values uh, that we are constantly having conversations about, and then making sure that dispositionally we are exhibiting in our daily conversations and the work that we do in serving students. And uh, those particular values are integrity, uh, professionalism, confidentiality, collaboration, and work ethic. And when you blend those five values together, they really present a leadership style that um, I have grown to really appreciate and one that is extremely important to me, and that is uh, one that is collaborative. I believe in working within a team construct. I believe in investing in very talented individuals, but I also believe in bringing individuals to the team who are going to provide um, you know, a certain type of energy, a certain type of skill set and and candidly a certain type of joy and passion associated with the work in higher education so those five values uh, certainly underpin my collaborative leadership approach and then what i would say that is the umbrella over all of uh, not just those five values and that leadership style is we want individuals who have humble spirits and what i mean by that is we want individuals who are continuously learning individuals who who know that hey i don't have all the answers but i am willing to work to get the answers or i am willing to work with other individuals who can make me better so that i can then provide the answers to someone else we have a constant motion of investing in others and continuous improvement. And I believe that that is only possible if you have a humble spirit. So in totality, that gives you an idea of of how I lead and the principles and values that underpin that leadership style. Dr. Goins, let's stay on collaboration a minute. Um, What have you found to be successful when you're um, uh, navigating a, a, a teaming uh, situation and two individuals or more individuals who perhaps are very strong leaders in their own right. 
but they're struggling to work collaboratively and you need them to. What, what have you found uh, as a successful strategy or tactic to bring them together in a common pursuit? Absolutely. Excellent question. And I think that speaks to uh, one of the challenges in leadership, uh, because when you're working with individual team members, what you recognize is that personalities, um, dare I say, egos sometimes are certainly part of the work inside of a team construct. So one practice that I have found to be uh, extraordinarily successful when working with other leaders uh, within the same team, but both of those leaders have very strong personalities, is to pivot and refocus the initial conversation on what is the ultimate institutional goal. So I'm very strategic and very forward thinking and very candid in what is our goal. Let's remove this personal context that you may be operating in or maybe looking at uh, right now. Let's take a step back, pivot, and refocus our lens on what is the institutional goal or what is the, uh, the company's mission. And then I'll take each one of those individuals and say, in order for us to meet this institutional goal or the company's mission, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. We need your expertise in X, Y, and Z. We need your skill set in X, Y, and Z. And your skill set combined with another team member's skill set. So let's go to the opposite leader now, who is also very strong-willed, very strong-minded. And I have that same conversation and make sure that they understand that we collectively cannot get to where we need to institutionally or from the company's perspective, unless we all merge our efforts, talents, and blessings together to meet that institutional goal. But then I'm always very quick to come back and say, ultimately, if the team succeeds, there's going to be more individual opportunities and recognition for you. But I'm always very direct that you cannot succeed individually if the team does not succeed. Excellent. Don't you let's let's take let's turn for a minute and and, and think about your own career uh, advancement. And uh, I'd like to draw some advice from you. You've advanced quickly in your chosen profession, education. What advice would you have, particularly to an early career person who who is listening? How do it? How to best advance in their career? Absolutely, Dr. Kendrick. I, I appreciate that question. And uh, this question means a great deal to me. So my response is going to be, um, you know, very thoughtful and one that, that is very important to me. The first thing that I would say for individuals who have ambition um, and talent and a, a very strong work ethic and they're wanting to see their upward mobility or their career trajectory stay on a positive incline, first and foremost is uh, develop a network. And when I say develop a network, I mean two things there. I mean that you should continue to or start to uh, build a network with professional colleagues, other individuals, perhaps at other institutions or other companies in like positions like yours. Seek out the best individual in your position have very candid conversations, ask them for advice, try to uh, not mimic, but replicate many of the best practices that those individuals uh, are using um, and, and causing them to be successful. 
But the second piece of that is be very proactive and strategic about seeking out mentorship. Building a network is not just about building a network with your professional colleagues. It is about connecting with a mentor and seeking out mentorship. Uh, Develop a strong relationship with that individual, whoever he or she may be. Ask good questions and really just start to to try to involve yourself in their week-to-week or month-to-month walk. And and that's certainly going to help you in your respective position. That would be be advice uh, step number one. Number two is uh, something that uh, a mentor of mine and uh, continues to be a mentor of mine taught me a long time ago. And I see many of our uh, young people or, or people who are early in their careers losing sight of this um, already. I think society has shifted in such a way where, and I know many of us are familiar with this, uh, instant gratification. Uh, that is not the way upward mobility or a career trajectory consistently on the incline works. So as you're looking at other individuals in the field, it's very easy uh, and, and, and people are susceptible to look at this and say, hey, that individual already is at a vice president position, an executive vice president position, a president position, or a director position, or a principal position. The title will change depending upon your field. But you, very few people take the time to take a step back and evaluate, okay, this, this person started here 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they've had to strategic, strategically take steps as time has gone on. So uh, candidly, uh, and this this is something that you taught me, Dr. Kanger, um, and I live by this and, and I make sure to make to convey this to uh, individuals early in their career. And so this will encapsulate advice step number two is as a professional, never judge your beginning by somebody else's end. We all have a professional journey, and that journey is going to have very strategic steps that involve development along the way. So make sure you maintain perspective, and when evaluating yourself critically as a professional, never judge where you are in your beginning against where somebody else might be mid-career or at their end. Wonderful. Thank you. Dr. Goins, um, LMU, Lincoln Memorial, is a growing institution, and there are wonderful aspects of leading in a growing institution or growing business, and there are also some unique leadership challenges. What have you faced uh, as you lead your team with regard to scaling the the delivery of the services of Lincoln Memorial? And and I want to translate that for uh, a more traditional business setting um, for leaders whose company is growing. There are challenges that come with growing or scaling your business, just like I would imagine you faced challenges in growing Lincoln Memorial. What are some challenges that come to mind and how have you navigated through them? Absolutely. Great question. So in, in today's society, in today's economy, quite candidly, um, the marketplace is currently and always shifting. So you have to be nimble. And what I mean by being nimble is you have to have a system set up 
and a team in place that is very quickly able to adapt to any type of market hiccup or any type of market change so that you can quickly adjust your approach to ultimately, in our context in higher education, uh, work effectively with students or prospective students. Obviously, in a business environment, it would be um, trying to attract and work with those consumers. So the way that we do that here at LMU, and, and we're fortunate, we're extraordinarily blessed. We have a very forward-thinking and innovative board of trustees, but by virtue of us also being a private institution, there are a lot of uh, bureaucratic, and I don't say that negatively, uh, there are a lot of bureaucratic steps that we can just extract and be as nimble as we need to be as an institution. Uh, one of the, the strategies that we implement to do that is we are always looking at what's next. Um, we are never content. We do not remain satisfied. Although we've experienced great growth over the past 15 to 20 years, we are constantly looking at what's next. A question that we ask frequently is, now what? Because we understand that the market is always changing. So what, what may have been at the forefront of that initial growth 10, 15, 20 years ago may not be the anchor program or the anchor operation or the anchor initiative that allows us to move forward three to five years from now. So we are constantly asking the question, now what? And the way we get that information is we are very aggressive in how we seek out that information. Constant conversation with prospective students, constant conversation with current students, uh, parents, guardians. We look at what other uh, institutions are doing that's causing them success. There's a great deal of research that we do from a geodemographic perspective. But ultimately, all of that, we do all of that so that we can be nimble as an institution and as a team to meet the, the demands of a changing marketplace. Uh, fantastic. I want to I want to pull this thread just a little bit further on 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 this uh, the strategic component that you're you're looking at when you when you're describing what's next, uh, Dr. Goins. How do you and your team um, walk us through a bit of the process of and how far down the road are you looking to determine what's next? Um, you know, is, is that a uh, is that next year or how far are you trying to look ahead so that you can then plan strategically? Uh, accordingly. Absolutely. So to answer the second part of that question first, we are consistently always looking five years ahead, at least five years ahead uh, from a strategic planning process. Now, the way we answer that question is driven in large part by the objectives and the goals which are set by our board of trustees and our president. And really, that they answer that question through the lens of what type of institution do we want Lincoln Memorial University to be? And what type of institution do we want Lincoln Memorial University to become? So it goes back to what I said in a previous uh, comment. Uh, we, we are also very reflective and make sure that as an institution, we never judge where we are by another institution's middle or end. So five years ahead is at a minimum is where we're always looking. And the way we answer that question is based on how the board of trustees and our president 
answer that question in terms of what type of institution are we and what type of institution do we want to become. Currently, we are an institution that is that has grown to uh, a little over 5,000 students at the undergraduate, graduate, and professional level. Uh, but we also understand that we're an institution that our strength in and from an academic portfolio perspective, and, and really the reason for the growth that we've experienced over the past 15 years has been in our graduate and professional programs, specifically within health sciences. So I will tell you the next five years, we are going to be focusing on leveraging the strength of that academic portfolio at the graduate professional level to help us continue to build and grow and expand our undergraduate enrollment. Ultimately, within the next five years, Lincoln Memorial University would like to be an institution that has uh, somewhere between 7,000 and 10,000 total students. So uh, we have to take these these steps um, as the opportunity comes, as the marketplace allows, and the timing right now has allowed us the opportunity to, once again, leverage those graduate professional programs to now come back and be very strategic about growing that undergraduate population. And these are conversations we have across every sector of our institution. Obviously, first and foremost, we have the academic conversation, as I just mentioned, but we have these conversations around athletics. We have these conversations around research. We have these conversations around uh, fundraising. Uh, so everything we do, regardless of the sector here at our institution, we're always a minimum of five years ahead in answering those questions. What type of institution are we? And then what type of institution do we want to become and how we answer those, answer those, those questions determine the steps that we then take. Outstanding. Thank you. That was a, a terrific uh, explanation. Let me ask a question about your own leadership in this growing environment. So currently Lincoln Memorial is 5,000 students. And you said, you know, at some point in the future, we want to get to 7,500. And then at some point in the future, we'd like to be at 10,000, et cetera. You're growing institution. Um, in your own leadership, what do you envision will be different about your, the way you lead, perhaps in a day-to-day the, the, the way you go about your your responsibilities when you're 10,000 as opposed to 5,000? Wonderful question. So in in anticipation of, of these goals coming to fruition within the next five years, personally, I can see my leadership style being scaled a bit more. Because when you talk about growth, most importantly, the first question you have to, to have a conversation around and be able to answer is, what type of support infrastructure are we going to put in place uh, specifically for students and faculty and professional staff? Because remember, anytime growth is experienced, the expectation around uh, personalized support um, doesn't change. So it's, it's, you know, from a business perspective, it's common sense to believe that with some amount of growth, there's going to be some amount of addition to um, your employee count, your professional staff support count, your faculty count, because that's going to enable you to continue to meet your mission, which part of our mission here at LMU is really that personalized care and instruction that we provide in this environment. So for me, I can see my leadership style uh, 
changing in a couple of different ways. I'm always going to be somebody who who really leans on uh, strong relationships. I love to be involved, but I'm also someone who understands that we need to hire really talented individuals, invest in those individuals professionally, and then empower those individuals to do their job exceptionally well. Because I found that most individuals want to be really strong employees. So my personal leadership style won't change from a relationship perspective, but it will certainly change as we go forward from an infrastructure perspective. Um, Because as you know, you can't be everywhere at the same time. So it'll be uh, very important for us to continue to go through strong vetting processes during the employment or talent search process. And then most importantly, in my opinion, once those individuals uh, get onboarded within the organization, continually invest in them, consistently engage them, and then provide them with the empowerment to do their job well. So I think it'll be, to answer your question, I think my leadership style will change simply from a scalability standpoint, but those previous values and those core principles will not change. Wonderful. Let me ask about the the bringing on the talented staff. I want to give you a scenario um, and and ask you to to uh, respond to that. So let's imagine that as as your institution continues to grow, you're charged with with hiring other uh, leaders in the institution, other administrators who will lead portions of the institution, whatever that may be. And obviously, you mentioned we want talented individuals. Let's say that that everyone who comes before you has the requisite knowledge and experience for the role. Mm -hmm. What's the one other component that you most want to see in them to select them for a leadership role at your institution? Fantastic question. And what I would say to you is that this is, this is really intuitive for me. This is something that um, is more about a sense as opposed to something that we might be able to quantitatively measure. Um, And it goes back to the spirit of the individual. Um, It is very easy and lazy right now uh, for individuals in our society to be negative, in my opinion. Um, I I think that's the path of least resistance. I think it's um, very easy to be negative. We want individuals that are a part of our team that are positive certainly not naive, but have a positive, humble, and joyful spirit about themselves that when in the face of adversity, we know that that individual is going to be one that says, okay, we have a challenge. We're going to meet this challenge. We're going to find a way to solve this issue. And we're going to come out as better individuals and a better organization because of this challenge. We will not back down. So that would be, and once again, it's not, it's almost a sense or an intuition that you have to have as you go through uh, that employer talent vetting process. But really the quote that I apply to this and and, and I love it. And it's from um, one of my favorite uh, basketball players uh, of all time, Kobe Bryant. And that's just from a basketball perspective. Um, who who passed away last year, he had a great quote that said, no fear of failure, no fear of success. And that's something that I really lean into professionally, no fear of failure, no fear of success. We're going to get, we're going to put forth our best effort every single day 
And knowing that will, will be enough regardless of the outcome. Thank you. That was uh, fantastic. Last question, Dr. Goins. Um, you've experienced a great deal of professional success really um, quickly in your career. What keeps you hungry and growing uh, professionally and personally? Why, why are you um, still seeking to, to grow and improve? Thank you for asking that question. Um, I love to learn, first and foremost. So uh, anytime there's something that I'm unaware of or there's a challenge that I'm unfamiliar with, the initial drive for me is simply that I love learning. I want to learn more. I want to be engaged more so that I can, can, uh, for lack of a better phrase, master that concept, that principle, that process. So that would be, uh, first and foremost for me, I love to learn. Uh, number two, I'm extraordinarily competitive. Um, you know, anything that I do, and this is personally and professionally, I want there to be excellence associated with it. Um, whether it's, um, you know, the, the, the routines I put in place for myself personally or the systems that we put in place for our teams or the outcomes that we chase for our institution. I want everything that I'm associated with personally and professionally to be rooted in excellence. And then the third part of that, quite honestly, the reason that I continue to have this energy, the reason why I'm not satisfied yet is uh, ultimately for those things that will come along after I am no longer in a certain position or um, after after I pass away. And that's focused on legacy, quite honestly. Um, you know, my mom and dad gave me a name. My grandparents gave them a name. The name that we have is extraordinarily important to me, and it's one that I want to honor uh, for my mom and my dad, and it's one that I want to set up well for my wife and our children well after we are gone. So it would certainly be those three things that keep me going. Uh, number one, lifelong learner. I love to learn. Number two, extraordinarily competitive. I want excellence in every part of my life, personally and professionally. But then number three, it helps the, the previous two help build that solid legacy, which we should all be chasing and leave for someone long after we're gone. I will go back to what uh, a mentor said to me and something, once again, I lean into pretty frequently is there is no leadership success unless there is a leader in place or a legacy in place after you are no longer the leader. Dr. Goins, thank you so much for sharing your expertise uh, today. It's been a, uh, a huge benefit, I think, for the listeners of Leadership Upside. Thank you so much. Dr. Kandrew, thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Dr. Jody Goins of Lincoln Memorial University. Leaders, today as you lead, I want to urge you to lead well. Lead, leadership at the organizational level is always challenging. It's also a privilege. Let's do it to the best of our abilities. Dr. Goins, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. An honor and a pleasure for me.